0: Welcome to another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. As I'm recording this episode, it's currently American Thanksgiving, so happy Thanksgiving to all of you in the in the States. We're going to have uh, the football on in the office today while we're hard at work, so uh, I'm sure you'll be thinking of us while you're eating your turkey. <laughs> um we've got a bunch of stuff to cover in this newsletter uh, episode we're going to talk about a little bit of an algorithm update um, a bunch of interesting things that John Mueller has said and I'm also going to share some more thoughts on my thinking on whether EAT is a ranking factor as there's been some really interesting discussion over the last few days um, from some SEOs that I really respect so I'm going to give you my opinion on that so let's jump right in and talk about algorithm updates there looks like there was some type of a significant update uh, that, well, relatively significant, that happened on November 16th of uh, 2018. All of the, uh, some of the checkers, like... uh, Uh, the SEMrush sensor, um, and a couple of others uh, showed very, very high algorithmic turbulence on the 16th, although some of them did not. Um, We had a bunch of our clients that actually saw some nice increases on this day, uh, but there really wasn't a particular pattern. Um, Most of them were working on all-round areas of quality, so it's not like we can say, ah, we just fixed this thing and then traffic improved. Um, One of them uh, that saw some improvements have been really working on removing uh, thin content from their site and um, also uh, how they display author EAT. Um, now we don't know how whether or not Google actually looks at your own website in order to uh, determine whether your author has expertise, authoritativeness, and trust to write on their topics, but John Mueller did say a few hangouts ago that uh, it's not a bad idea to actually implement author schema uh, because the more you can do to tell Google who your authors are and why they are qualified to write on their topics the better so that's something that uh, you know we did have one client make some uh, what I would call a significant um, upward trend they're not completely recovered uh, but after doing that um, we had uh, yeah another one I mentioned in the newsletter that just really were I mean we gave them a list of Uh, probably 20 different things to improve on and they've been slowly making improvements and they saw some improvements starting November 16th as well Um, we didn't really see out of the profiles that I look at uh, a lot of these profiles are sites that either we've just recently reviewed or we are about to do a review and it's not uncommon for me to see drops uh, in those sites and I actually didn't see too many sites with drops so I'm not sure what's going on on the 16th but um, I've noted it in my algo uh, Uh, update list which you can get at mariehaines.com slash algo and uh, if I get more information on this I will let you know there's been a lot of discussion this week about uh, something that surfaced where uh, it kind of looked like Google was going to start adding co- a comment section to search results and so I think as SEOs we pictured this as almost a fiasco of like you do a search for some you know really really common search term and then there was a comment section and we all know that you know unmoderated comment sections can get kind of crazy and we're like how could Google mon- moderate you know billions of comments Comments that would come across this feed it turns out that there's some misinformation here so the comments actually was something that was added months ago uh, it was added during the World Cup and only to lo- certain live sporting events uh, and so there are areas of the Google search results where apparently people can leave comments uh, but this has been going on for months and it really seems to be just on live sports so I don't think we're going to have the day where Google's allowing us to comment on search results of any kind, but who knows? I mean anything is possible. I don't think it's something that we need to, you know, get excited about or optimize for. Um it's probably not something we need to pay a lot of attention to. Those of you who use event uh markup, uh, if you have events that your um, your company does, uh now you can see those, you can filter just those in search console, which is kind of cool. Um let's see what we can talk about next. Somebody uh, brought to my attention this new tool called uh, you can get it at question db and it's a a pretty cool thing that um, just helps you to kind of figure out uh, the content that you're going to write for a particular topic and what it does is it appears to scrape Reddit Um, I'm not sure if it looks at other sources as well Uh, but finds you put in your keyword and then it finds the questions that people are asking about this particular subject and that's one of my best ways my favorite ways to write content is to figure out what are all of the questions that people would have on this subject and then create an H tag that sort of um, describes the question. So for the example that's given in the tweet by uh, Dale Cudmore is uh, he looked up protein powder. And um, one of the questions that somebody had was mixing black coffee and protein powder. So if I was writing this article on everything you need to know about protein powder, one of my H tags would might be Can I mix protein powder with black coffee? Or that could even, you know, I can look up and see, is there enough search volume for that? Uh, That might even be a whole article on its own. And that's kind of how the hub and spoke model works, where I might have one article that just has, crazy information, like tons of information on protein powder. And then I might say, you know, here's some questions people have asked. Did you want to know whether you uh, can mix protein powder with your coffee? And then I have another post just on what all of the information says on mixing coffee with your protein powder, what types of protein powders are best to do that with, how it tastes, you know, things like that. I would only do this if I had enough information on that topic to really, really flesh out a full article on the subject. And then, um, of course, there would be other uh, uh, posts that um, cover different questions that have enough search volume to have their own article. And then what we would do is each of those would link back to the main hub page on protein powder using a keyword anchored link and that is really how a really great way to structure your content Um, if you're trying to rank for protein powder then that's uh, you're giving all sorts of signals via your internal links and the amount of content that you have to show Google and other search engines uh, that you really have a lot of good stuff on this subject one word of warning I see some people do this and they're really producing thin content. So if your article on um, whether or not you can use protein powder in your coffee, really, if you only have enough information to write a couple of paragraphs on that, then that should just be a part of your main article, if even you include it at all. Um, so where you write these spoke articles to support the hub are only if you have enough information to really, really expand on that info. Um It was an interesting tweet by Cyrus Shepard. He was, uh, I think he was trying to provoke a bunch of good discussion, which he really did. Um, He was asking about featured snippets and whether it's, you think it's unethical for Google to display them. Um, When Google kind of has a monopoly. I mean, yes, there are people who use Bing and DuckDuckGo and uh, other search engines. Um, But honestly, I mean, most people are searching on Google. So is it fair that Google takes your information and makes it featured snippets? You know, I think at this point, there's really not much we can do. I mean, whether it's fair or not, Google's doing it. um, And uh, you can opt out of having your content uh, be a part of a featured snippet. Uh, There's a meta tag, I think it's meta no snippet or something like that. I might have to look that up. The problem is, that if you add that tag you're not just opting out of featured snippets but you're opting out of everything like even your um, you know your meta description that uh, causes a a snippet to appear in the regular search results so um, you know in a lot of cases when you get a featured snippet it actually increases how much traffic you get to your site Um, but in some cases the featured snippet reduces the traffic and so it's tough you know i i don't think it's an ethical thing at this point but I do have a little bit of fear that at one point, you know, if Google starts gathering all this information from all these different websites, they can eventually make it so that like nobody even has to visit a website. Everything is right there on Google. Um, I don't think we're there yet. Uh, I don't think there's much we can do. I mean, um, I'm sure there are people who have thought about suing Google, but really Google could say, hey, we just, we told you, you can put this meta no snippet tag or whatever it's called. Don't quote me on that. But um, uh, there is a tag, like I said, that can, you can say, like, don't scrape my content, Google. Um, you can even block Google from seeing your entire website. So I mean, they're a company that uh, we voluntarily give them our content. So it's uh, it's a tough call. But I can see the other side of the argument as well. I really like this tweet by Kane Jameson where he said, there's an opening in the technical SEO market for somebody who does nothing but schema implementation. So uh, that really reminded me of when I first got started, uh, I got an interest in Google penalty work, and there really wasn't much written about Google penalties over you know, all of uh, uh, the internet and, so, and how to recover from these penalties. So as I started to write information, I got known as a Google penalty expert. And to this day, I mean, if you Google that, you'll probably see me nearer or at the top of the search results. And that was something that, you know, was many years ago that I started doing that. And that thing where I differentiated differentiated myself I wasn't um, just an SEO who did everything but I had an area of expertise that launched me into the career that I have today and you know we do so much more today than Google penalty work but uh, having an area a subject matter where you're known as the expert is really really great and I see this too I mean I think there are some great posts that are written about how to implement schema um, you know how to just different structured data things but what I find is a lot of them are very, very technical. And when I read them, I'm like, oh, I get confused about this. So if you are interested in you know, trying to carve out a niche for yourself, it might be, this is a really good area where you could uh, take this information and make it so that anybody with just a little bit of SEO experience could understand it. And I'm betting that people will start referring work to you. You know, I get emails all the time of people saying like, oh, you have a penalty issue or you have even you know, an algorithmic traffic drop, then, uh, Marie Haynes is the one to talk to. Um, so you could be the person who, uh, people say, oh, you have issues with your schema. Talk to this person. Uh, so I think that that's, uh, um, a really cool thing for some of, uh, some of you out there. Somebody, uh, is going to emerge as the expert here. I'm, I'm sure of it. Um, interesting post, uh, from Naman Nepal, uh, he tweeted about Healthline uh, seeing big drops. So with the August 1st update, the site Healthline.com really, really saw incredible gains. They uh, you know, saw improvements for all sorts of health-related queries. They were number one for keto diet, uh, which is a very, very competitive query. And uh, what they noticed was that all of a sudden they were like page three for keto diet and all sorts of terms were just dropping out of the search results. Well, it turns out that they actually had a no-index tag on all of their pages. So uh, I think there was something weird going on where um, it was only supposed to be in the JavaScript. It wasn't supposed to render or something like that. Anyways, within uh, a few minutes of that tweet happening, it had been fixed. Uh, so uh, even the big websites you know, can make mistakes. I'm, I don't think that that was something that was done on purpose. Um, so that was uh, kind of an interesting thing. Somebody asked John Mueller whether um, you uh, whether Google indexes pages that redirect to another page, and John said, "No, uh, we don't index URLs. We generally don't index URLs that redirect. So um, that's probably not news to most of you." I have exciting news about uh, Google's Help Hangouts. So for years now, since probably early 2012, I have been taking notes on every Help Hangout that John Mueller does. And uh, in the last year or so, I've had my team uh, taking these notes, and it's been a really, really great training episode, um, a training uh, tool for us. Where um, you know my junior staff can look at the help hangouts and make notes on it, and then when something comes up in a discussion, uh, often one of my junior staff will say, "Oh, you know, John Mueller just said this in a help hangout." It's a really great way to learn. So people have been asking me for a while whether I can publish these notes, and uh, finally, we're going to start doing that again. I used to do this back in 2014. I used to publish my notes from the help hangouts. Uh, So if you go to my blog, so mariehaines.com slash blog, you'll see, uh, you know, one of the most recent posts will be uh, these help hangout notes, and what we've done is we've um, sort of expanded on what we think are the most interesting points, and uh, and then the full transcript is also available. So if you're trying to get a quote for, um, you know, from from John Mueller for one of your reports, or uh, you just want to stay up to date with what John said, because there's so much good information in these, then uh, hopefully that'll really help you. Uh, So I'm going to give you a few tips. Um, Normally we put, you know, we sort of expand on all these things in the newsletter. um, And now to help sort of cut down the length of the newsletter, I've uh, briefly mentioned them and then linked to our Help Hangout notes. So here's a few things that we learned from the latest newsletter or the latest Help Hangout. there was a discussion about pages that are marked in Search Console as discovered and not indexed. Um, and this is, we look at this when we do our site quality reviews because uh, this is often where some of your thin content can be found. So if you have a ton of content that Google has said, oh, yeah, we found this, we discovered this post, but we decided not to index it, that can be a real sign of thin content. Um, John Mueller had some interesting points too, though. He said, uh, sometimes this can be a result of poor internal linking. So let's say you have all these pages that Google discovered via your sitemap. But they're not actually linked to, um, linked from any other pages on your website. So they're what's called orphaned pages. Then, uh, Google may not wanna index those if they don't have internal links. Internal links are really your way of telling Google this is important content. Um, and so if you have a piece of content that you're not linking to internally, there's a good chance that it's gonna have trouble ranking properly. Um And then the other thing he said was he sees this often in sites that have too many URL parameters. So for example, if you have one page uh, and then you also have a page that has and color equals blue, and size equals medium. Um, and, you know, sometimes some of these pages with this, uh, pr- these parameters can have millions of variations. And, um, you know, ideally you should be using canonical tags to, uh, uh, and, and potentially even redirects in some cases uh, in order to um, um, show at Google which version to, uh, to index. And, uh, you know, if you're not doing that, then Google may choose to not index a bunch of that content. Um, another thing somebody asked uh, what temporarily unreachable in fetch and render means I get this all the time well not all the time but I, I do see it commonly where we try to render a page and then Google's response is that the page is temporarily unreachable and Um, you know, the question is whether that's something to be paying attention to or not. I usually find that this is a temporary issue on Google's side, uh, and often if we go back an hour later and try this fetch and render, it'll work just fine. But John said sometimes this can mean that Google truly is having trouble fetching your resources um so if you're seeing this error you might want to spend some time looking at page speed information especially from the new lighthouse audits that um, are fed into page speed in uh, insights and see if you can determine you know is there maybe there's something that's just taking forever for uh it to load because john said that the um fetch and render there they have a certain time limit on it so if Google's having a hard time loading stuff on your page that could be significant so I don't think you should always ignore that we'll move on to local SEO a bit um, and don't worry I'm gonna still get to my EAT thing which I think is probably the most interesting part of, uh, of this podcast um, local SEO now uh, there's something to do with categories where um, uh, some of the primary and additional categories are ungrouped now in Google My Business. So um, if categories are important to you, you might want to just take a look at uh, what categories you're in, what categories your competitors are in, and uh, that's not a bad thing to just check every few months or so even um, to make sure that uh, uh, you know, you couldn't be um, adding new categories and, and doing things a little bit differently. Those of you who get information from Google My Business Insights, uh, they're now more up to date and you should be able to see insights up to the previous day. So that's uh, that's a great thing. The more information we can get, the better. Um, some people, Tom Waddington noted that uh, uh, some people are seeing in their knowledge panel um, a get a quote button. And uh, that's for businesses that are using, some businesses that are using messaging through uh, Google My Business. If you don't have messaging set up, it can be really good. Um, we set it up for a real estate client of ours and they commonly get um uh texts basically what happens is it allows people to text you right from the search results uh and so that can improve how much business you get uh so if you're seeing get a quote that's because of messaging and it's a uh, it's a it's a really cool thing important to note that messaging is not the same as Q&A in the search results Uh, a lot of people get those mixed up so messaging will once you've set it up it'll send you a text and it comes from a google number it doesn't uh, so that way um, and people don't get your phone number unless you choose to respond to them which I think comes under your phone number um, not google's but I'm not 100% sure on that um let's see there was an interesting discussion in the local search forum uh where a user had said that their rankings had increased after working hard to get their citations indexed um i haven't looked at this in great detail something that joy hawkins pointed out was that uh you know this is just one uh situation and so it's something that really needs more experimentation um but it kind of makes sense i mean if you have um, a bunch of citations. You want to make sure Google's paying attention to those. Uh, I don't know though. On the other hand, the citations that Google wants to pay attention to should already be indexed, um, or should get indexed pretty quickly. So, um, it's worth reading anyhow. Let's talk a little bit now about this whole EAT thing. Um, there's been a bunch of, uh, discussion on Twitter about, um, you know, people are saying, look, we're going a little bit too far on EAT. It's not a ranking factor. Stop paying so much attention to it. Uh, and there was um, an interesting article by AJ Khan. Um, and I really respect AJ and I'm glad that he wrote this article. what One of my peeves in SEO is um, when people write articles and other people disagree, we have to disagree in the in the right way. You know, we have to be respectful of each other um, because what happens is people get reluctant to actually publish articles um, because they're worried about the feedback that they're going to get. So uh, when I say this... Um, I'm going to say I disagree with a lot of what AJ is saying, um, but that doesn't mean that it's wrong. Uh, And I think when we have, we should have discussions in SEO where we could argue with each other. um, And there are some things that he said that I actually do agree with. So one of the things that um, AJ said was he didn't think that the August 1st update really had anything to do with EAT, if I understand his post correctly. Um, And for those of you who, maybe there's some of you listening who aren't really familiar with EAT, it stands for expertise, authoritativeness, and trust, and it's all throughout Google's quality raters guidelines. So the argument that people give when they say, well, no, EAT is not a ranking factor is that Google's quality raters guidelines, it's not like they reflect exactly what um, is in Google's algorithms. But we've mentioned this a few times that, you know, Ben Gomes, VP of search at Google, he has said that the quality raters guidelines show us where we want the algorithms to go. So we're seeing things in these guidelines. You know, the EAT, I think, is mentioned like 186 times in the guidelines. It's very, very significant to the quality raters. What AJ was saying was that he thinks that um, the August 1st update was primarily about relevancy. And I don't think he's wrong there, uh, that relevancy is an issue. Um when the March 9th algorithm update happened, Danny Sullivan from Google said, you know, this was primarily about relevancy. And what I mean by that is that Google's getting better at figuring out which articles uh, are relevant to queries. And so, you know, if I do a search again for a keto diet, there's a good chance that I want an article with information about this diet. And I'm not looking at this point to actually buy any products or uh, services. Um, and so a lot of sites that were e-commerce saw drops Um, with the August 1st uh, update because I think Google figured out that hey people don't actually want to buy a product right now they just want information Um, and so AJ gives uh, some really great in-depth information on how Google has made advances uh, using machine learning and other things in figuring out what is it that people actually want um, in order to make their search results better. Uh, and so the thing that I disagree with, though, is that AJ said uh, that he doesn't think that EAT is a ranking factor at all. Um, I truly think that Google started putting EAT into the algorithm in February of 2017. Uh, and so this is when we first started seeing sites coming to us. Um, and, it you know, it, it, it was all stuff that's in the quality raters guidelines. There's tons of um, examples that Google gives us where they say, Ah, uh, this person is writing a medical article and there's no uh, evidence that they have medical expertise. This person's writing an article on parenting, but there's they're not widely known as an expert on parenting. That's the A, right? Um, and I think EAT has a ton of stuff to do with links, but I think it's not just link equity. I, I truly do think that the August 1st update was Google attempting to um, really algorithmically determine the T, the trustworthiness in the algorithm. Um, And I'm basing this on, uh, you know, we have access to hundreds of sites that um, have either come to us in the past or are coming to us now for site reviews, and I know that hundreds of sites is not a massive number. I mean, there are many, many, you know, billions of sites on the internet, if not more, and um, we just have a very small sample, but it is still a sample size. You know, we we. St- see time and time again these sites that have we we look at them they come to us for a review and we look at them we go well I wouldn't buy from this site you know I wouldn't want to get information from this site Um, and in most cases we can find areas surrounding trust that really really need to be improved upon so um, I'm not sure what more I can say on this subject I mean I do think that uh, we're just going to have to agree to disagree on this. Um, one of the things we talked about as a team, though, here at Marie Haynes Consulting, was that we don't want to swing too heavily towards just looking at the quality raters guidelines. So when we do our reviews, like a huge chunk of them is evaluating sites through the eyes of these guidelines. But we have tons of other stuff that we look at, too. And we look at technical things and, um, you know, a bunch of like, is do you have uh, too much thin content? Um, and how much value are you providing as compared to those sites that are, are ranking above you? Um, so, you know, I think we can't just, just focus on the quality raters guidelines, but I think you would be, it would be ridiculous to ignore them. They are absolutely every, I mean, I've read these guidelines maybe a hundred times, um, at least parts of it. And every single time I learn something and go, you know what, that is really good. And even, let's say I'm completely wrong and Google is not using this information at all in their algorithms, you still would have a better business if you implemented things that are suggested in the guidelines. Um, These are things like encouraging your clients to trust you more, giving them evidence to say like, hey, here's why we're an authority, uh, things like that. So don't ignore the quality raters guidelines um i know i'm kind of biased because i'm you know sort of when we talked earlier about getting known for schema or for google penalties or things like that you know I, and i feel like it's kind of happening that um people are coming to our company for information on the quality raters guidelines uh and so we're gonna you know learn from this and make sure that we don't swing too far in um, paying attention to EAT, but I don't think I'll ever completely ignore EAT. So um, hopefully that's helped. I mean, uh, I, I really do encourage more discussion on this. Um, and uh, who knows, maybe at some point we'll have some debates or something and uh, uh, we we can have a really good online discussion on this topic. So I think that's all we've got for this episode. Um, I really hope that those of you who are enjoying Thanksgiving uh, this weekend have a wonderful time with um family. And, uh, and, um, yeah, so best of luck with your rankings this week and hopefully we'll talk soon.